I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Sasha Kelly and welcome to The Dive, the podcast that asks, whoever said that business news needs to be all business? Let me tell you a story. My alarm goes off every morning at 6.30am. I pick up my phone. I know I shouldn't, but I do. And I open Instagram and I check if anyone sent me a message, see if I've got any likes overnight, see what's going on. I start watching a funny reel about succession and then I just start scrolling. By the time I check my clock again, half an hour has passed. This isn't an unusual morning for me, unfortunately. This is a little view into how my mornings are starting to look. Because social media has changed our lives. Armed only with my phone, I can FaceTime my mom in Brisbane, see Instagram stories of my friends traveling in Spain, check someone's location on Snapchat and watch a highlight video of their trip on TikTok. But there is a difference between being connected and having meaningful interactions. And we don't often find that on social media, if we're completely honest. And a number of new studies are now backing up that feeling. When social media or high-speed internet came into our lives, mental health plummeted, especially in children. We have a major problem, which we could call digital depression. This growing body of research suggests that social media apps are rewiring children's brains and driving an increase in eating disorders, depression and anxiety. It's Friday the 7th of April and today I want to know how significantly is social media impacting our mental health and what is a healthy level of interaction with it? To talk about this today, I'm joined by Darcy Cordell. Darcy, welcome to The Dive. Hey, Sasha. Thank you. But we're not alone. We're actually going to talk to an expert who recently wrote an article on the teen mental health crisis, aren't we, Darcy? Yeah, that's right, Sasha. We spoke to Hannah Murphy, who's a technology correspondent for the Financial Times in San Francisco, and she covers social media companies, including Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Here's my chat with Hannah. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Darcy. Thanks for having me on. So, Hannah, we all know the feeling. Spending hours mindlessly scrolling TikTok or Instagram, it can't be good for us. But now we're seeing more evidence to back that feeling up. What is the latest data saying about the overall decline in mental health? So the latest data on mental health, particularly in children, is pretty bleak. Um, Suicide amongst those aged between 10 and 19 years old in the U.S., surged uh, by around 45% between 2010 and 2020, according to the CDC. Um, A survey last month also by the CDC found that nearly one in three teenage girls had seriously considered taking their own life, uh, up from one in five in 2011. Um, And plenty of parents are blaming this, obviously, on the advent of social media, um, on uh, smartphones and computers kind of changing um, uh, the way in which young people are uh, interacting with the world. The argument is that you sort of we're seeing the shift in childhood from unsupervised free play towards being on our phones all day, socializing on our phones, and this sort of rewiring the brain in a number of ways. 
Um, there's kind of several different parts to this. One being sort of sleep, that young people are up on their phones, not getting enough sleep, sleep deprivation, and everything that comes with that irritability, whatever that might be. Um, addiction, the, the idea that sort of the dopamine hits um, from repeated use of these social media apps. Um, if someone gives you a like or a comment, the impact that can have on the brain. Um, there's an area around sort of content exposure. So um, young people being exposed on the internet to distressing content, to sort of hypersexualized content, to self-harm content, and the idea that the algorithms that these uh, apps have sort of push more and more of that content to a young person if they show an interest in, in those things in order to sort of maximize their engagement. And then there's just a question around sort of behaviors anecdotally it sort of simply does not seem healthy for young people to be putting photos up of themselves 11 or 12 year old girls to be sort of rated with a like or a comment by other people what does that mean for their self-esteem what people say and what people tell me on how my looks are for some reason are the most important thing it's almost like we need public validation all the time to feel a sense of core self-identity and self-esteem how much time are children spending on these platforms? You know, TikTok, YouTube, Snapchat. So daily screen use on handheld devices between ages of sort of eight and 12 is around five hours from some of the studies that you can find. And that's sort of rising over time, obviously, from you know some two decades ago when it was sort of non- non-existent. Uh, it does also include gaming. Um, but sometimes for teenagers, it's sort of as high as eight hours a day. Um, some studies have found um, so they're spending sort of longer than they are asleep or longer than they might be at school or with their families. The data looking at this finds that it's particularly stark for young girls who are heavy users. Those are sort of the two criteria. Um, the heavier the user, the more this seems to have an impact on their mental health, whereas light users might by and large be fine. Um, that's sort of Those studies are sort of correlational studies. Then there are a few more studies that um, by and large suggest um, causation, sort of the, by looking at a sequence of, of events over time. So proving that, you know, it's not someone who's depressed who then goes on social media um, after the fact. It's more that you know, the more they use it and that, that affects their mood. But I suppose I'd, I'd caution that there are researchers who dispute this reading of the data in its totality. They say it's inconclusive. They argue that sort of correlation doesn't um, necessarily mean causation, that it's not clear enough, that social media is just one factor that has changed um, and, and might have uh, that impact on, on mental health. So, you know, what about the pandemic, for example? And others will point to studies that show, you know, actually for young men who uh, identify as being sort of lonely and have struggled to find community, social media apps have helped them find that and it's a positive experience. So there's, there's a bit of debate uh, in the academic community around it. And Hannah, the last couple of years especially, we've seen the rise of TikTok, um, YouTube's incredibly popular, Snapchat. Are all these platforms, according to some studies, are they similarly detrimental or are there some platforms that are more harmful than others? I think some of the platforms themselves try to argue that, but the studies less seem to pass judgment on individual platforms relative to the other, but they might focus in on certain platforms. And it does seem that sort of, you know, the more visual platforms that encourage youngsters to put up photos of themselves, um, such as TikTok or Instagram, could 
can be sort of more harmful, obviously, when it comes to body image issues. But even sort of messaging and disappearing messaging can, can be addictive and leave children sleep deprived. So there's no, I don't think any platform gets a free pass, essentially. So governments are now recognising this issue and beginning to act. We know in the US they're, they're hoping to ban TikTok, although there are some other reasons for that as well. In your article in the Financial Times, you refer to changes being made in the UK. Can you tell us about those? And are there any other examples from around the world? Yeah, so there's sort of several different areas in which legislation is being brought in or considered. One would be around how the platforms are designed at their core. So in the UK and soon in California, there's something called the Age Appropriate Design Code, which essentially mandates online platforms Uh, social media platforms among them, to take account of the best interests of children when they're designing the platform. So that might be, you know, don't use nudge techniques to try to get kids to stay on longer or to hand over more data that they don't necessarily uh, need to. Um, So that's on the kind of how the underlying infrastructure of the platforms are designed. Then there's some legislation around uh, focused on kind of content and protecting children from all what's deemed to be sort of harmful content. So in the UK, the online harms bill um, sort of mandates that uh, platforms protect kids from this stuff. Um, and then there's a kind of a bit of groundswell recently of some states in the US uh, in particular, looking at bills around kind of getting parent parental consent for using social media. So Utah just passed a bill that would impay, make sort of all users of social media have to be verified in order to use it. And then those under 18 require parental consent uh, starting in 2024. There's some privacy concerns there. If I'm a 17-year-old and I don't want fairly adult at that point, do I want my mom to be able to see my messages? But um, yeah, similar similar proposals are being put forward in Texas, Ohio. So Hannah, we've talked about the government response to these issues, but I also want to find out how big tech is responding. We'll take a quick break but I also want to find out a few practical tips that we can implement to have a healthier relationship with social media. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to The Dive. Darcy, today we're talking about the impact social media has had on our collective mental health. I can say most certainly that when I'm feeling stressed, I notice myself reaching for my phone and opening Instagram a little more often. Sometimes I just delete the app off my phone just in the hope it subsides that urge a little bit. I didn't want to be a straw poll of one though, so I asked a couple of friends for their thoughts and this is what they said. In terms of the most addictive apps on my phone, I really feel like it's a battle between TikTok and Instagram. I think TikTok actually wins, but because I know it's so addictive, I try not to open it most days. And then when I do open it, I just kind of commit to, I'm going to be here a while. Whilst I do really enjoy being on TikTok in the moment, I often get a real sense of dread afterwards when I reflect on the hours of time that have just slipped away. 
I think when I'm watching a movie or a series, it's something that I can discuss with friends or bond with people over. But when I'm watching TikTok, it just feels so unproductive. Most of the time, I couldn't even tell you what I've watched. Luckily, TikTok for me is really more of a downtime, like alone time activity. So I really only use the app if I don't have other stuff to do. So it's not sort of eating into my work time, etc. Having said that, I will say that I have found myself reaching for the app if I'm a touch anxious. So right, there we go, Darcy. That is word from the community. Some really interesting insights there, Sasha. It's good to know that I'm not alone in having those feelings. But let's get back into my chat with Hannah. I've just asked about the response that governments have made to this decline in mental health, but there's also calls for big tech to take more responsibility. How are they responding? So they've responded by firstly kind of pushing back on the idea that social media is uh, the cause of all of this. Um, they say sort of one of, of many factors, but we're listening to your concerns. Um, they've, they've started making some tweaks to their platforms. So um, bolstering their technology around age verification, um, ramping up the policing of harmful content and introducing more kind of parental control settings. Um Instagram recently introduced a kind of default setting that will reduce the amount of sensitive content that younger users see. Uh, and it also it had a plan to introduce Instagram for kids, so a sort of under 13 version of the app. Um, and it's decided to put that on ice after a backlash from politicians. And then I'd say the other trend is just towards sort of setting reminders for kids to check in, to log off, blocking notifications at night that might wake them up. So sort of screen time limits uh, for young people to sort of make that, that use, usage more, more healthy. Hannah, do you think this regulation is the beginning of a new wave of governments, you know, trying to rein in the power of these platforms or what do you think will happen in the next couple of years? I think that this is one of a few areas that has bipartisan support. Um, so kind of unity amongst the right and the left when you watch these hearings, it's what about the kids, what about the kids, and it doesn't matter what, uh, where you stand on the political spectrum. So I, I think the platforms are very acutely aware of this and are trying definitely to be more proactive than they might normally be to sort of fend off any potential regulation. Um, at the same time, the platforms are all desperately trying to win that younger audience, especially now that you have sort of TikTok coming in as a very compelling competitor. And so you have social media companies wanting to get young people sort of hooked early. Uh, There's a sort of battle to get creators and influencers on board, which bring those young audiences with them. So you've sort of got these competitive elements here and then trying to get in ahead of potential regulation. Um, whether anything happens, um, I mean, obviously have all these bills in play that we just mentioned, but I think in the next few years, we see those actually being enforced and sort of depends how successful they are, uh, whether sort of there's a call, call out for sort of more beyond him. So Hannah, to round it out, I'm personally 26 years old. I've got all the apps we've mentioned. I've got TikTok, YouTube. I still have Snapchat, although I don't use it. What do experts say is a healthy amount of interaction with these apps or are there any recommendations on how we should engage with it? From the fact that the social platforms have all taken steps to introduce these time breaks and screen limits, 
you know, you imagine they are going out to experts and consulting with them. And that that is when you when you read research, one of the things that, that sort of stands out as the main pieces of advice. Take breaks, put time limits, don't use your phone in bed late at night, for example. And when you use your devices, do so with intention rather than sort of the mindless scrolling that you mentioned at the beginning, going down rabbit holes. Um, so I think those are the sort of top bits of advice. Um, but obviously, at this point, they're such a, a crucial part of our daily lives. Yeah, some some great points there and some good things to take away, Hannah. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Excellent conversation there with Hannah from the Financial Times, Darcy. Do you have any final takeaways? The story here is the data, Sasha. We can all feel that spending hours scrolling social media apps, it's clearly not good for us. But now there's just this growing body of evidence that is proving that feeling. And I do sympathise with people because these apps are clearly designed to be incredibly addictive and they want to keep you online for as long as they can. So it's really hard, but we need to just be aware of that. And I think Hannah shared some great tips on how to manage your screen time. And it's just important to be aware that spending too much time on social media can be pretty harmful. Well, look, Darcy, I'm going to lean into the irony and say we're going to leave it there for today. But if you are spending time on social media, do us a favour and share that you love the dive. Take a screenshot of wherever you're listening to this and post it and help other people find it. If you do spend time on these apps, then helping us spread the word about the dive does help us out. Darcy, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Sasha. Until next time. You have been listening to an Equity Mates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.